Until he takes you out of the game, it's time for your team to step up. At Alina Health Orthopedics, you'll get expert care backed by a whole health system of providers with convenient locations, virtual options, and an app that gives you 24-7 access to your records, test results, and care team. You're always close to the care that you need. Schedule now at alinahealth.org slash ortho. I'm Ja'Cory Hayes, and you're listening to The Sound of the Loons. afternoon or evening depending on when this finds you welcome to the sound of the loons podcast presented by alina health orthopedics i'm steve mcpherson and it's a pleasant day to be joined by callum williams cal i have nothing funny or apropos to discuss uh this morning before we get going i had to move stuff around to get here and i just came out of a meeting so i don't what day is it i don't even know what's going on uh, no, I mean, the one thing which we can say, Steve, is that the season is definitely upon us because there is an element of chaos now, isn't there? It seems like, as you said, meetings are happening here and there, trying to now fit in these podcasts at certain parts of the day, certain t- times of the week. It's, um, yeah, the season is certainly upon us. And, and isn't it so strange because everybody's in Florida and yet here we are and it seems equally, if not more chaotic. Absolutely. I mean, the team has, has gone out of Florida. There's been some lovely shots. If you follow the team on social media, which you you should be, uh, our man Shields is getting some good photos down there. I'm sure it's sunny and lovely. It's pretty lovely up here in Minnesota. It's not too bad out. Um, you know, it's it's things have turned. It feels like for the for the spring. So I'm happy about that. But yeah, the chaos is. Oh man, it's it's really it's really hitting the fan now, and we're just it's just a dead sprint into the start of the season, including the schedule release, which is really probably what we're going to talk about for most of this podcast, which is an exciting moment. Um, it really, again, for me internally, I think production day is sort of the moment that I feel like okay, this is the start of the season. Uh, it, I think, as I may have said, my uh, I started working for the team in 2017, about two weeks before the first production day. And so I feel like production day always sort of marks my anniversary with, with the team because it was sort of the first event that I was involved in, uh, which was pretty fun. But, uh, but yeah, the schedule release, you begin to sort of look at the schedule. It's, there's a lot of interesting things uh, about the schedule this year and how they're approaching it. Should we just, should we just get going on that one? Yeah, absolutely, mate. Um, you know, we, we were fortunate enough to see it a few days before, weren't we? Or at least a day or two before. And um, the one thing which, which just, um, I guess, baffled me a little bit was I understand that the, the reason why Minnesota are playing predominantly Western Conference teams, I get that. that that's, you know, that, correct me if I'm wrong, Steve, that's how it works in a lot of other American sports, right? You predominantly play teams in your conference, but mm-hmm. there's two random Eastern Conference games, which I don't get at all. And it's not like they are Chicago or Columbus. It's DC, Philadelphia. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which I, I find a little bit bizarre to be honest. I was slightly perplexed by that, but um, look, end of the day, um, as, as we have said several times, and I'm sure just about everybody uh, in Major League Soccer has said on, on multiple occasions, at least we have a schedule, at least we have a season. Because right. at one stage, we really, really weren't sure, were we? So um, it's good to see some some um, some teams on the schedule. It's good to see that we can all put some dates in the calendar. Uh, and I think, to be honest, Steve, that the one that we've already um, talked about 
uh, in depth in previous podcasts uh, that everyone's looking forward to is, is the home opener against RSL because that is when we will again get a, a little tiny bit of normality back because we're going to have some fans in the stadium and, and I think we speak for everybody in Minnesota United and we just can't wait for that moment. Yeah, that, that's going to be huge. I think you're right that, Cal, the scene, seeing 34 games, you know, like I don't even know how many games we ended up playing last year. It was like 20. It was like we played two games. Uh, no idea. <laughs> right. We played two games. There was MLS's back and some of those games counted, but some of them didn't. And then there was like schedule. There was like chunks that it was released in and we didn't know, you know, what phase. Everything. So just the idea of like looking at, okay, this is, you know, obviously things can change, right? Uh, we're not out of the woods yet with this pandemic. Things are going well with, with vaccination. And it's great that people are starting to get vaccinated. Uh, it's great that we'll be able to start bringing people back to the stadium. We're still a ways from the end of this. So, you know, we don't want to start popping the champagne quite yet, but, uh, uh, it is, it is, there is a sense of a light at the end of the tunnel here. And it's nice to see the schedule scheduled out so we can think about like, just looking at the fact of like, oh, October, I might know what I'm doing in October, uh, which I didn't for all of last year until it was October. So um, let's, uh, let's, let's back up a little bit, talk about the schedule overall, and we'll get into Minnesota United's portion of it. Uh, a couple notable things, uh, five regular season games on ABC, which is the most that MLS has had since 1998 uh, on, on a major network, which is, uh, which is very exciting. Uh, getting the product out there in front of people is 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 big. Um, now, I know it, games being on national TV means you don't get to be on those games. So, uh, but what's your feeling about the national, uh, the profile of the, of, of the league and getting up there on, on, a, on a network like ABC? It, I mean, it's, it's, it's great for the league, Steve. It really is. And look, personally, yeah, I know what you mean. It, it, it's, it's a bummer for me because it means I don't get to do television, but I was just telling our producer Tyson, actually, that there's, there's a couple of other projects um, that uh, popped up for me. So actually right now it's, it's actually quite nice to see that I'll, I'll get a little bit of a break there, but um, it's, um, it's great for the league. It's great to be on on ABC uh, on on um, you know regular television, if you will. You don't need any package, any sports package or subscription or any, anything really. You can just pop your TV on, and, and there will be Minnesota United. So no, it's great, Steve. Um, it's it's about time, I think. Um, I think the league, from a numbers point of view, has done better than um, than a couple of other sports, um, certainly in this region. Um, over the course of the last few years, it's been steadily growing. And I've always wondered, you know, why why aren't um, why, why isn't Major League Soccer worthy of, of some airtime on a channel like ABC when you know the NHL, but not not the NHL at the moment, but you know NHLs are on main NBC, you know, and mm-hmm. um, the NBA has been on ABC and what have you. And I kind of thought, why why wouldn't you just give a time slot to Major League Soccer? So it looks like they've done that, and um, it, it's only good for the league, Steve, because it means more advertisement. Um, you can hopefully grab the casuals in who will just be sitting around on a Saturday or Sunday and flick on ABC and, oh, there's a soccer game, right, okay, who is it? And MLS, oh, it's Americans, okay, brilliant. And, and hopefully they, they come in and they, and they enjoy it. So yeah. um, it's good, it's good, Steve. Uh, national TV is is always good for Major League Soccer, regardless of the club and the, the situation of that club. You can be Seattle or you can be Dallas. It doesn't matter. National television is a very, very good thing 
Yeah. And uh, also uh, a nice a nice thing because of the way the schedule was lining up. Uh, and, and I shouldn't say it's just a nice thing. It's obviously been intentional, but uh, a substantial break in June for the FIFA window, uh, as, which is great. Uh, I think it's, it's a fantastic thing. Helps more games be played with the team's top players. So and we know Minnesota United has had uh, seven, seven players called up recently for international duty. Um, and it's it's tough to miss those guys. And Adrian has also, has always been a proponent of letting guys go uh, to their national teams. It's a great thing for them. It's a thing that he values as a, as a former player. Um, And so it's important for those guys to go do those things, but it's also, uh, it's also tough when it means that they can't play for Minnesota United. So getting, you know, aligning that break is, is, is going to be a big deal, Cal. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And look, I completely agree with Adrian as well in, in, um, in, with regards to this, when your country calls you up to go and play, you've you got to go and play for your country. You know, you, you don't know how many more times that could happen. For some players, it happens over 100 times. For others, it happens two or three times, you know. So uh, I, I respect Adrian for, for doing that because he also knows it does weaken his team as well. Mm-hmm. But the, the humanitarian point of view there, he, he's absolutely doing the right thing. And, um, yeah, look, it's going to be tough when, when the likes of uh, Dane St. Clair go, go on international duty. It's, it's, it's going to be tough when... Jan Gregus goes away, and Robin Lourdes. Um, but I, I, was, I was saying this the other day, Steve, um, yesterday, in fact. When you look at the centre of midfield, well, whilst we're talking about Gregus, um, the centre of midfield is an area you don't have to worry about for Minnesota United at all. Even if Gregus and, let's say, in the future, Hassani Dotson gets a senior call-up, you've still got Will Trapp, you've still got Ozzy Alonso, you've still got Jacory Hayes as options. Steve, there are so many teams in MLS that would kill for just those three as options uh, to start in the centre of midfield for them. So the, the roster in terms of midfield, in the centre of midfield, I think is about as strong as it's ever been at the moment. So, and, and bringing in Will Trapp was a really astute piece of business on a free transfer as well. Um, I, 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 I have no worries about Minnesota United in the centre of midfield. And obviously, Reynoso will, will play ahead as well. So mm-hmm. the, the, the problem area right now, is, as everybody is aware, is that they need a replacement for Molino, which has been worked on. Um, and, and they need um, you know, a, a centre-forwards or two um, that are going to be able to put chances away that, that are inevitably going to come because of the creative ability of, of Emmanuel Reynoso. So... Um, We'll wait and see, um, but for me right now, Steve, I think when when, um, when these players go away on international duty, I, I'm not too concerned at the moment because Minnesota's roster is, is really thick and really deep. Um, and as I said, no doubt there are areas that, that do need one or two more pieces, but as it sounds right now, I, I'm not concerned at all. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll be getting into um, you know roster stuff probably a little bit later on in the show, and then also you know down the road as as things sort of fall into place. I think we're not too far from seeing a couple a couple moves happen. Um, you know, so hopefully those things are resolved sooner rather than later. But it's obviously not up to me. Um, let's uh, another thing. What last I want to talk a little bit about the whole regional interconference versus cross conference stuff. Um, I, I, it's hard to avoid the facts to avoid this observation. You can't over state how much the league is betting on Austin FC with the schedule uh, and the way the television television deal is going right now. They have eight nationally televised games. Uh, Columbus, who are the reigning champs, have seven. So they have one more nationally televised game than Columbus, who won it all last year. I think they have, I think Philadelphia, who's the supporter shield, 
uh, holders have only five games uh, on national television. So there's a lot of, I mean, it's sort of that, like, it feels like Atlanta, they're ready for, for Austin to be a a glamor team. Um, You know, but they start with seven games on the road also, which is a rough slate before they open their home, uh, you know, their, their home stadium, the the Q2, I believe it's called, Um, which, you know, we'll see more of it later on in the year. And Minnesota is going to see a good amount of Austin uh, this season, but, you know, just quickly, we'll dive into this more as we go into previews. How do you we you know, we talked about this last year with Nashville and 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 you know teams coming in and like how they build sort of and and Miami last year how they build coming in what's your just sort of gut feeling or vibe on where Austin is right now like are they going to justify being on television that that often with their talent in the first year? Well, well, I think they'll be entertaining, Steve, um, because um, <laughs> with any expansion team, it's always difficult in the first year, isn't it? Um, so the, I, I get the feeling, even though they've done quite well in the recruitment departments, um, I, I think they'll they'll concede goals. But but also, I think with the front line they they have, and, and one or two rumours I'm hearing about them adding one or two others, I, I think they um, I think they'll be okay. I think they'll be entertaining. I was actually chatting to um, to their lead video analyst last night, a chap who. Um, some of our viewers and, and listeners might might know a chap called Sam Lawson, who was the lead video analyst here in Minnesota for for several years, um, and just about the team and, and about uh, the style and, and what they're thinking. And um, the one thing which which we certainly agreed on is that the roster is is a lot better than than a lot of other expansion teams' uh, rosters over the course of the last few years. Not all of them, but but some of them for sure. Um, I think they're going to be entertaining, Steve. I, I, obviously, you know, I, I'm not going to say how how I think they're going to. What I was told in terms of how they're going to play, I don't think that's very fair. But um, I, I think they're going to be—I think they're going to be counter-attack. I think they're going to sit deep. I think they're going to be uh, a little more direct than people probably think. Um, Alex Ring will, will be the um, the engine of, of the uh, of the way that they play because I think a lot's going to go through him in the centre of midfield, um, and then he'll play it out wide to. I'm assuming it'll be Dominguez and, and uh, Rodney Redes uh, out wide. Um, and as it stands, D- Danny Houston will, will be the centre forward. So I, I think um, just mentioning those three players alone, I, I think they're going to be quite direct. I think they're going to be counter-attack, a counter-attacking team. And I think a lot of it, as I said, um, will we'll go through Alex Ring in the centre of midfield. Um, and they've got other supporting pieces that will play their part as well, no doubt. But... But, you know, Alex Ring, when you bring in a player like him, he was so key to New York City FC for so many years. Um, to, to bring in a player like him is, is a really good piece of business. I know he wasn't cheap, but when you want a player like him, you have to pay a bit of money. And um, I think they're going to be interesting, Steve. I, I, you know, I, I, it's difficult for me to answer if they're going to warrant, in, you know, eight, nine national television games. But I think they'll, um, I think they'll be entertaining nevertheless. Yeah, I, uh, Cal, it makes me think of uh, there is... Uh... I think more teams should counterattack um, generally as, as, as an approach. I mean, I sort of think it's one of those things that um, I remember this from, from Minnesota early on where it was like, we want to hold the ball. We want to be a possession team. And yet most of the success came from counterattacking. And I sort of feel like, you know, when I was uh, working on my MFA uh, in, in fiction and writing stories, I remember writing a story that was like jumped around in time, you know, like if you've seen Pulp Fiction, it's like this happens and then this happens before it and this happens after it, and there's sort of this complicated structure of this. And I remember a, a, a professor being like, like why, like, why are you choosing to do this? And I didn't have like a really good reason. And he was like, if you if you don't have a good reason, 
just tell the story in chronological order because that's how we experience things. And I sort of think that's some teams, I mean, you saw in Nashville sort of be like, okay, we're going to play counterattack. Like we're going to bunker and then get our chances on the break. It's sort of a very direct, I mean, it's called direct in the sense of you're sending the ball directly into the, the, the forwards from the back. But like, it's just, this is sort of simple soccer take the simple things maybe than that first season and that expansion season, you know, cause it's like, I think there's just so many variables that, that teams just can't, not that they don't understand, but that it's just impossible to grasp until you've played a whole season. So take that first season and play counterattacking soccer. I love it, Cal. I love a good counterattack. It's fun on the break. It's fast and, and it's entertaining. So that's, that's my feeling about Austin. Let's talk a little bit about, um, this sort of regional matches, uh, you know, this is sort of an echo of last season and how, the, you know, with, in the midst of COVID and, and obviously that's an ongoing concern that, that teams who are trying to stay sort of a little closer to home, stay within their conferences, uh, more regional matches, fewer cross-conference matches. As you mentioned, that's, um, that's the way it's been in other leagues at, at different times. Um, the NBA has divisions and you play your division uh, opponent opponents more than you play, you know, outside of your division in your conference and then more than you play the other conference. Um, it used to be in baseball when I was growing up, it was like you never saw the other the other side that you never saw the, 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 the other teams until you played the world series. Like it was always the national league and the American league and the American league teams played the American league teams. They brought in um, <clears throat> cross cross uh, league games at some point. Uh, it's, it's obviously there's sort of two sides. I was looking at uh, I think on the athletic, there was an article sort of breaking down the schedule. And one person has said in the comments was like, I hate this. I hate seeing the same team over and over again. This is garbage. Why would I want to do that? And then another person saying, this is great. This is kind of how rivalries work. You know, like you see the same teams over and over again. And then when you get to the playoffs, there's a little more verve in the matchups because you haven't seen some of these teams so many times. So I don't need this as a concept. With that said, there's a lot of travel from Minnesota United to the West Coast while Chicago, Cincinnati, and Columbus are all less than 1,000 miles away. So um, my pitch here, this is complete speculation. This is not even speculation. This is just like, I was looking at a map and I'm thinking about this. Here's my idea from MLS. Two conferences, four divisions, two within each. Uh, You have the, in the Eastern Conference, you have the Atlantic and Southern divisions. Okay, are you ready for this? Ready for me to break I'm intrigued, yes. Okay, the Atlantic division is uh, New England, Montreal, Toronto, Red Bulls, NYCFC, the Union, and DC United. Sort of the Atlantic uh, seaboard, more or less. Okay, the Southern uh, uh, division would be Atlanta, Orlando, Miami, and then sort of going around the rest of the south of, of the United States, Dallas, Houston, Austin, and then you can add Charlotte later on when Charlotte comes in. Uh, then in the Western Conference, you have the Pacific Division, which is Vancouver, Seattle, Portland, San Jose, Galaxy, LAFC, and I've included RSL in Colorado, probably more RSL Colorado, I think you could, you could flex. Um, Central Division, Minnesota United, Chicago, Columbus, Cincinnati, Nashville, SKC, and then put St. Louis in there when they come in. Uh, now you could maybe move Nashville to the Southern if you wanted to like align it that way. Cause it sort of sits on that. Uh, and Colorado could maybe go to the central cause the Pacific right now has eight teams. I think when every other section has seven teams um, that has nothing to do with 
like how those teams are as teams right now. It's just like spiritually, I feel like that those feel like regions where those teams, like when I look at, when I think about Minnesota, United, Chicago, Columbus, Cincinnati, Nashville, SKC, St. Louis, I feel like those teams feel like they should go together. So that's, I'm throwing that out. Cal is my pitch for divisions within MLS. I, I think um, it, it would work. Um, I think also as well, you know, there, there is something to be said about playing the same teams over and over again. Um, and then, as you mentioned, Steve, going into the, the postseason, um, playing teams that you haven't necessarily seen as much, I, I think that would add extra emphasis to the playoffs. Um, I'm not suggesting the playoffs need extra emphasis. If anything, I think it's the other way around and the regular season needs more, more emphasis. But, um, sure. yeah, look, I, I wonder at some stage if we see something like that. Um, you know, I, I'm not convinced we're going to stop at the amount of teams that we keep hearing either, you know. So I think maybe at one stage we, we will see. Um, something like you suggested, because um, when when markets are coming in, like I saw a report the other day suggesting that Louisville are really going to have a look now because of the Sacramento, the unfortunate Sacramento situation. Um, and, and I don't know, I don't know how a growing league like Major League Soccer, especially what they've had to deal with from a financial point of view over 2020, I don't know how they can continue to, to turn down. You know, um, it, it's getting to be upwards of, of $400 million expansion fees now. I don't know how anybody can turn that down right now. So um, we'll see. We'll see. I, I, I'm slightly concerned in that aspect, Steve, because at what point did it, does it become about quantity as opposed to quality? But um, we'll wait and see. This is reckless speculation. So we'll just, we'll just lay off, shall we? <laughs> if we're about anything, it's out of the loons. It's reckless speculation. Uh, let's, we're going to get into Minnesota's schedule uh, in a second here. First, when injury takes you out of the game, it's time for your team to step up. At Alina Health Orthopedics, you'll get expert care backed by a whole health system of providers. With convenient locations, virtual options, and an app that gives you 24-7 access to your records, test results, and care team, you're always close to the care you need. Schedule now at alinahealth.org slash ortho. All right, let's talk a little bit about Minnesota's schedule specifically. I was going to talk about playoffs, but let's save that for later. Um, we'll just say that there's fewer teams in the playoffs than there were last year, uh, and, and we'll get into it maybe as we, talk, as we get closer to like season actual preview time. Um, obviously, as we were just talking about, Minnesota's schedule, Cal, heavy on uh, West, Western Conference teams. Uh, we are seeing Austin, Seattle, the Galaxy, SKC, Houston, Dallas, uh, the Rapids, and Vancouver three times each. Uh, so we're going to get very familiar with those teams. We're seeing RSL, Portland, San Jose, and LAFC twice each. I personally, from a personal standpoint, I would have liked to see San Jose and RSL one more time each and Houston and Seattle one fewer time each, uh, just for strength of schedule and my own concern. And then, as you said, uh, playing DC United and Philadelphia as the two uh, games in, against the Eastern Conference. Um, just what's your, what's your first impression of that schedule, looking at those teams? Um, we're going to get into like maybe like looking at little chunks of the schedule in a, in a second here, but just overall, how do you feel? Overall, I think just just excited, Steve, just because, as we said earlier on, it's just great to have a schedule. Um, I think more than anything, the one thing I'm looking forward to, hopefully, as you mentioned earlier on, is that as the vaccines continue to roll out, is having a real home-field advantage again, because 2019 was was fantastic for Minnesota at home, wasn't it? Was it just one loss at home in Allianz Field, you know, in Major League Soccer? So um, I, I, I genuinely think our fans do give um, a real home advantage, and, and, and that obviously for obvious reasons, was lacking last year. Um, but, you know, 
there's some teams that I think will will come in and will cause problems. The, the one thing now, Steve, I'm starting to to wonder because I, I saw this happen in previous years covering the league. People now come to Allianz Field and they expect a game. They expect to be high pressed. They expect um, to not necessarily not have a ton of the ball, but but they certainly expect to be under pressure consistently throughout the 90 minutes. And um, I wonder, does that now mean? Will teams drop back a little bit? Will teams have two holding midfielders? Will they limit the way that the fullbacks go forwards? Will they play a little more direct? Will they play a target man centre forward? Will they come to Allianz Field and just look to suppress Minnesota from a creativity point of view? Will they look to frustrate? Um, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, it, 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 it's smart to come and do that because I think a lot of people, my, my, my overall point here, Steve, is that I think a lot of people will come to Allianz Field and will be perfectly content with taking a point away. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it's a thing we've talked about, you know, for a while. I think that towards the end of 2019, the, the first season at Allianz Field, we talked about, you know, our team's going to bunker more as they come into Allianz Field. And then last year was such an, aberration as far as you know the schedule and how things work that I don't think we really got to see it's going to look like a blip in the evolution of how teams play at Allianz Field um in the you know that that second year was so odd um it will be interesting to see I think that you know I was listening to the extra time podcast um with with Andrew Reby and those guys and uh for the Minnesota preview that you know they sort of pegged Minnesota as a as a top three team in the Western conference at this point, um, alongside, you know, Seattle, SKC, um, LAFC is a bit of a wild card. Again, not a very good year last year, but you expect Carlos Vela to be back. That always gives, gives you a shot. Um, so, you know, again, it's like, you're looking at these matchups and you're thinking that, you know, maybe Portland is, is, is up there as well. Uh, Minnesota United can, can, so who are you playing the most and who are you, who can you take points off of? Um, you know, I think that, I feel like Houston, man, the, the real wild cards to me are the matchups matching up three times against Houston, Dallas, the Rapids and Vancouver, because Vancouver, yeah. obviously not very good last year. I expect them to be better because you got to be better than that. Um, Rapids, a team sort of that was on the rise, but also came into Allianz field in the playoffs and lost, you know, three nil. So um, Dallas, Again, a team that I feel like Minnesota has done well against at Allianz Field, not so well against, you know, at Toyota Center. Um, Houston, again, Minnesota plays them well in Allianz Field. It's very tough to go to Houston uh, in the summer, uh, which is one of the reasons I would rather see fewer games against Houston uh, away, especially. (laughs) So, uh, you know, it's like, I think there's, I guess we'll get into it more as we think about like what the, you know, as this, as the season preview really comes up as season preview season really happens. uh, And we, and we think about, I always like to think about like, what is, what is the good team? What is the team you expect to be good? That's just going to fall completely off. And what is the, the team you don't expect anything from who's going to be much better than you expected. Do you have any early, ideas about what what either of those categories possibly but i'm going to reserve judgment for the time being steve because and i'll tell you why because um i did this the other day um one evening i went through because this is just how obsessed i am with with this sport in this league (laughs) i went through every single team and looked at the roster and sort of did my own predicted starting 11 really at the moment and um i Honestly, Steve, there's a handful of teams that I think if you said right now the season will start this weekend, 
there's a handful of teams I think that would be be okay with it and would go with it. I think of Orlando, I think of Montreal, mm-hmm. um, I think the Sounders just about maybe would, would be okay with it, possibly into Miami. Um, but the majority of teams in MLS, the rosters aren't ready. And, yeah. and it, it's because of, of the way that the season is starting, the uncertainty about whether we're going to have a season or not at one stage, and then also because of the transfer windows being mixed up this year. You know, there's so many people I don't think realise that it's been so difficult to get players across from Europe because of the, the way the transfer windows have worked this year, meaning that the MLS window was open at a certain time as opposed to the European window. The European mm-hmm. teams don't want to sell because their windows are closed and they can't, they can't replace. They can't replace the players that are out going. And I think that's really, really tampered with, um, with, with a lot of plans in Major League Soccer this year. Um, no doubt there's, you know, there's other areas they can go. Um, and, and South America is a big one. That There, there will be um, you know, some players arriving in, into the league, I think, from South America over the course of the next few weeks. And I think um, it, it's just really intriguing, Steve, like looking around and looking at the rosters. For example, I looked at... Um, who was I looking at? I was at Houston. You, you brought up Houston. Houston aren't ready. <laughs> there's no way they're ready. You know? yeah. um, Minnesota, I think Minnesota could start and be okay. But the team's not ready. The starting eleven's not ready. There's still multiple players to add. Um, you know, Kansas City, I, I think th- they'd be okay with it. But still, there's a few other pieces that they need to bring. Toronto. Toronto aren't ready. No way. Yeah. <laughs> so Vancouver. Vancouver are nowhere near ready. So it, it's really interesting, Steve, to, to see where teams are at this point. Um, and I think there's a lot of work to be done over the course of the next, what, three or four weeks before the season starts. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to see a lot of players coming into the league over that uh, that time period for sure. Yeah. Yeah, let's look at the, the er, that early stretch kind of for, for, for Minnesota United. There's sort of two, two stretches I wanted to highlight. I think that the, the, the season opener, uh, Cal, at Seattle – it's probably one of the toughest games you're going to get for the team uh, heading up to that that first break that happens in in June. The first the first set of opponents you're, you're facing Real Salt Lake in the home opener, um, and again I think as we've said multiple times on this on this podcast, I favor Minnesota United in just about any matchup at Allianz Field. So um, Real Salt Lake at Allianz Field, Austin FC come in at Allianz Field. It's great to catch an expansion team in the first couple games at home. Uh, going to Colorado to face the Rapids next uh which i don't hate uh home to the vancouver whitecaps which is great home to fc dallas which is good going away to real salt lake and then going away to i don't know then going away to real salt lake and then the break happens so you've got uh seattle tough tough sledding rsl austin colorado vancouver and dallas uh and then rsl again before you get that first break that's not too bad. That's not too bad of a way to start the season. You know, obviously going away to Real Salt Lake is always a little tough, um, but I don't hate it. Um, you know, again, with for a team that is still sort of coming together, and I, you know, again, we're, we believe there are going to be additions uh, before the season actually starts. But as always, we've talked about maybe the summer transfer window sees even more additions. I don't hate that early stretch of games for Minnesota United. No, not at all, Steve. You mentioned obviously Austin, um, which will be an interesting one. I actually think Colorado are one of the teams that are set. I'd be surprised if they made, I'm sure they may make one more addition, but I, I, I'm, you know, they are one of the ones that I think, okay, they're probably set now. They've got that identity. That'll be tough, um, tougher than people realise, I think. Um, I, I just, but like you said, Steve, I just, with, with the way that Minnesota United are, um, and with the, the 
the bodies that are hopefully going to be coming in, I, I would just fancy them right now. I, I agree um, with you. You said that the, the chaps at, um, at the MLS office had said that they fancy Minnesota to be a top three Western Conference team. I, I don't have any issue with that at all. Mm-hmm. And, and here's the thing as well. They're probably saying that, Steve, without knowing what's coming. <laughs> they're probably saying that without realising that, look, actually, um, there's, there's still a lot more to come. And, and this is the thing as well, Steve. I was, I was um, doing a piece on another um, on a radio station yesterday about, um, about last season and, and how cruel it was the way that Minnesota fell at the final hurdle and what have you. Minnesota got to the Western Conference final last year, especially in that final third of the season, without playing a real recognisable centre forwards. Mm-hmm. Imagine now if Minnesota had two or three recognisable centre forwards of, of some calibre as well. I just think the only way up, for, the only way forward for this team is, is up. That the only way they can go is up. Um, and like I said, I, I think once they get the replacement in for Molino. Once they get a centre-forward or two in, I think the roster's complete. I think they'll be good to go. Um, and providing people stay away from injuries, um, I absolutely would have Minnesota in, in the top three in the Western Conference this year. Yeah, I, I would agree, Cal. I think that I, always injuries is always is always a thing you just that can change the entire tenor of a season uh, very quickly. But um, but yeah, I, I think that and again, looking at the strength of schedule overall, they haven't I haven't seen any strength of schedule analyses. I'm sure they will be coming out um, as as everything is figured out. To me, the di- the most difficult stretch that I see ahead of the team is. Uh, from August 28th to September 15th, uh, they are away to Houston, away to Seattle again, and away to SKC. Um, starting with that away game to Houston at the end of August, it's going to be a brutal game. And then it's really hard to go to Seattle, and it's really hard to go to Children's Mercy Park. That's going to be, you know, hopefully the, the, by that point, you know, you're getting into, that's sort of like the meat of the season, and then the, it's, it, it looks pretty good after that. Um, that could be a little bit of a, of, of a rough patch, I think. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a really really tough trio of away games. That is, Steve. Um, look, Houston, as we said, look, they're not ready yet. But once they get the pieces in that they're after, they're, they're going to be difficult to beat at that stadium. The Sounders are the Sounders, right? They're going to be yeah. there or thereabouts. That they are just perennial Western Conference competitors. Um, and, and apart from one blip um, a couple of years ago, so are Sporting Kansas City as well. Um, you know, Polito, I think once they get a full season out of him, I think he's going to score a load of goals this year. Um, you know, the, I'm interested to see what they do because uh, Felipe Gutierrez has gone. I wonder if they're going to replace him. Um, but again, looking at their roster, you know, they'll more than likely have Sanchez and Espinosa and, and Gianluca Busio. It's a big year for Gianluca Busio moving forward. He's been given the number 10 jersey at Kansas City, and that's a, it's a big deal wherever you go, especially for a kid, you know? So, um, never easy going to Kansas City. How many times have we gone to Sporting KC? Apart from when it really mattered last year in the playoffs, um, how many times have we gone to Kansas City and, and struggled for possession and struggled because we can't get out of the block? And yeah. there, there were so many issues. So, yeah, look, I mean, you're absolutely right. It, it's never easy going there. It ain't going to get any easier. Yeah, I think in the playoffs, I mean, it was a tremendous victory, obviously, at SKC. I think that given the moment, it was really Minnesota rising to that uh, that that need to get through that game. I think that um, in the middle of a, of a of a regular season, it's going to be hard, especially coming off two 
tough games. Again, Houston is almost like the opponent is is Houston itself, not even the Dynamo, you know. So like obviously, like you said, they've got a ways to go to get it together. But it's just it's just really tough to go and play soccer in Houston. Like basically everybody you talk to uh, is just like it's just you're just sweating immediately, and it's super unpleasant. Um, let's uh, last thing I wanted to touch on because uh, we can't let it go unremarked. Hassani Dotson's tremendous success with the U23 national team, um, you know, doing it out there. It's fantastic to see him. I didn't even recognize him because he got the little beard. His hair is a little different. So at first I didn't realize who he was. Um, It's great to see him succeeding. Uh, Obviously he's being used a little bit more forward. Obviously he's getting into the box there and, and, and getting in there and, and, and scoring goals, which we've seen him obviously score goals from Minnesota United. Um, How do you sort of assess his, this, this great run he's had with the U23 team? Yeah, it's been great, Steve. I, I think it, it shows his importance that he started the first game. Um, he came off the bench against, um, and I said this with all due respect, what many would consider to be the, the weaker opponents in the group, and then came back in for, for the big game against Mexico, which I, I know I know, it, it's a game that doesn't really matter in terms of the standings in the tournament, but, but it does matter because it's Mexico. And the fact that he came in and, and, and started and did ever so well, you know, I, I I hope the knock that he received isn't too bad. I haven't heard anything, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, look, I mean, the two goals that he scored in the second game were really, really well taken. Um, when the ball sort of dropped nicely for him on the edge of the box, he was able to, to to hit across the ball to go into the bottom corner as well. He could very easily approach it straight on and it might have gone to the left of the goalkeeper to, to his right. Um, and it might have been a bit more difficult. It might have hit a, a crowd uh, of players, you know. It's a really good finish um, amongst the, a plethora of bodies. And the second, fi- the second finish, Steve, is really, really good because he's got the presence of mind. When the ball comes to him, so many players would take the touch with their left foot and go back to the edge of the box. But actually, he just allows it to come across his body. Then he takes the touch to accelerate away and go back across the goalkeeper. Tremendous finish. Um, I, I, look, I, I've said countless amounts of times, Steve. Now, Sally Dotson is a very, very good player. Um, and at 23, um, I think he's got such a tremendous future ahead of him. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to put him in the bracket and, and say that he's the next sort of Tyler Adams or whatever. But my point is, when I've said this in the past, I can certainly see him being a part of, of that conversation in terms of the next group moving across to Germany or, or to Europe somewhere. You know, mm-hmm. um, and when I say Europe, I mean one of the top five divisions. I'm not suggesting he's going to go and play Norway or Denmark, you know, but all due respect to those leagues, that's, that's not where Hassani Dotson's going to go. And, and I think it's okay to, I think Major League Soccer has to be comfortable with this. Minnesota United have to be comfortable with this. MLS is a, is a fantastic league and is growing year by year. It's stature and reputation and quality in every single avenue Major League Soccer is growing. And it is, Steve, it is going to be one of the best leagues in the world at some stage in our life. It is. But right now where it is, it's a selling league, and that's okay. It's okay to identify as a selling league. When, when the money comes in for the players, you can go and reinvest it. And with the, the reputation the league now has, you can really go and reinvest it. You can go down to South America and get an Emmanuel Reynoso. You can go across to Europe and pinch players over, players that are doing really well in France, you know? So um, I, I think it's fine, Steve. I, I, I really, really believe that Sonny Dotson's got a, a really, really bright future ahead of him. Um, and whilst it will be unfortunate, I don't think it's with Minnesota United. Um, I, I do think when he's in his prime, he's going to be playing over in one of the top five leagues in Europe. And, and just because of the way that the German Bundesliga has set itself up, it wouldn't surprise me if he went to somewhere like, and I'm just going to 
blot out some names now, like, like Mainz or an Eintracht Frankfurt or, um, you know, FC Nuremberg, um, FC Köln, someone, someone like that, um, that is, um, you know, a mid-table Bundesliga team, maybe a Bundesliga 2 team that's going to come up into the Bundesliga um, it wouldn't surprise me if that's the sort of move that he makes and he plays regularly. And again, I'm not, I'm not suggesting he's as good as a Weston McKinney or a Tyler Adams, but my point is, is that he will again be a part of this crop of young Americans that have made the jump from the USA to, I expect it to be Germany, um, as I said, because of the way that they tend to operate at the moment and the amount of scouts they have over here looking at games consistently. Um, I, I think Asani Dalton's going to be in that next bracket for sure. Yeah, I just hope that he remembers us and has me over to Germany when he's there because I can really go for a good Oktoberfest. Man, the beer is fantastic. So, um, Cal, as far as looking at, like, one thing I'm curious about is is what do you think it means uh, for Hassani in Minnesota this season? Like, the you know, I, I'm, I'm sure – you know, Adrian is not like making decisions based on a couple game performance with, with, with the national team, but obviously, and again, this is one of those problems that Adrian loves to have. He loves to be able to have to make tough choices uh, for, for players who are very good. Do you see uh, Hassani starting this season? Do you see him starting in midfield? Do you see him possibly in a, a wing role? You know, it's like, seems like a thing that might be a possibility for him. Um, or does he sort of remain, just that, like that first choice guy to come in as soon as you need some subs, uh, and and you and you put him out there early in the second half. It's it's probably going to be the most difficult position for Adrian Heath to figure out this year in a positive way, mm-hmm. because Jan Gregus, as we mentioned on a previous podcast, his passing percentage last year was great. I don't expect that to change this year. Will Trapp has come in clearly to start and to be the obvious starting number six um, and the holding midfielder. Um, so that presents a problem. Um, I don't think Minnesota will go to a 4-3-3. They may do on certain occasions on the road, perhaps. Maybe we see that the first game in Seattle, a 4-3-3. That, that might make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but throughout the majority of the season, I think it'll be a 4-2-3-1. And... I do wonder what Adrian's going to do because you can't ignore Hassani Dotson. The way that he's playing at the moment, the way that he continues to grow as a professional, you can't ignore him, Steve. So I don't know what they do. Um, I don't know what his contractual situation is at the moment. I have no idea. Um, But I do wonder if he continues this sort of meteoric rise. um, I I wonder if they're tempted to to sell at some stage. I wonder if if an offer does come in from somewhere that makes sense. But from Europe, I'm talking. Mm -hmm. um, I I don't know. I I don't know, Steve. I I would love to say he's going to be here for the next 10 years. But I just, as I said earlier on, I just don't see that being the case. Um, You can't ignore him. You you can't ignore what he brings. Um, He's so energetic, box to box. um, Gives you so much in both halves of the field. I think he's going to be a national team player. I really do. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know if I'm going to suggest he's going to be, you know, the starting eight for the United States moving forward. But at some stage, he's going to get a good chunk of national team time. And that opens doors. That really does open doors for, for young uh, American players. Um, I, I don't know, Steve. I, I think it makes sense in certain situations to go with the deeper lying duo of Gregush and, uh, and Trapp. As I said, um, again, may, maybe they do 
uh, go with a 4-3-3 away to Seattle. Maybe, maybe they go with the, stick with a 4-2-3-1 um, and play the two deeper lying players in Gregorish and, and Trapp and, and bring Dotson on at some stage. I don't, I don't know, but um, I know if I was Hassani, here's what I'll say. If I was Hassani Dotson, I would be very, very disappointed and frustrated if I was playing like I am right now and I wasn't playing first-team football at my club. Yeah, I, that's totally fair. Um, it's, it's tough. And again, it's one of the problems of, of a league that is not, um, you know, MLS is not a top-tier league in the world yet. It is, you know, it's a very good league, and it is, like you said, a selling league. And you run into these issues where you have a player like Hassani who's sort of on the ascent but is still young, and you have these guys who came in to start you have a DP and Jan Gregus. You have you have Will Trapp, who's got experience. Um, you know, you might want to start those guys in MLS, even if you see Hassani like eventually his 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 stock rising in some ways above those guys, but farther down, uh, further down in his career, you know, like further along, um, it's tough to find a spot for him to say like, this is where he's going to be every game. To me, it's like, you look at what he's done with, with the, the youth national team at times last season, you know, you think about his defensive work in the MLS's back tournament, like just shutting down opposing, you know, holding mids and oppo- like, like deep line playmakers did a fantastic job harassing those guys. Um, he can just do so many things to me. It's like, whatever position you need him in, whether it's because of, you know, a call up, an injury, whatever happens, it's like he, he is your first choice to slot in it right back at holding mid at number eight, possibly on the right wing. Like, you know, just wherever you need a guy, put him in there. And as soon as you need a guy in the game, put him in there. (laughs) And that's not probably what he wants to be doing, but you know, that might have to be his best role this season. I think Cal. Yeah, he, he might have to accept a certain role this year, Steve. But, um, you know, there, there are going to be opportunities for sure. Um, you know, when Jan Gregus heads off to the Euros, um, that'll certainly present an opportunity for him. Um, and like I said, Steve, I, I think it makes sense in, in certain games in this league to go with a 4-3-3. Um, as I said, away to Seattle, away to Kansas City, um, maybe away to Houston when you have to deal with the heat. You know, I'd, I'd expect them to be a little more um, counter-attacking in, in that regard and sit a little deeper and maybe you have a, an extra body in the centre of midfield there. I don't know. Um, it's going to be really interesting, Steve. The, the, the one thing is, though, is that it, isn't it great to have all these options for this? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, <laughs> we, we were thinking, we've only just got a starting eleven together. You know, there's nobody on the bench at all, you know? And, right. Um, it's, this, this club has come has come a very, very long way. Um, I think we all expected at some stage, didn't we, for, for the club to be playoff contenders and, and for the club to be in the mix uh, of the playoffs. But to, to go from, from just getting into the playoffs and then to a Western Conference final um, and to sort of have the reputation that they do now, they've gone from being um, the, the punchline in jokes to now being a genuine contender. And, I, and I'm serious about that. I think they're a genuine contender for MLS Cup this year. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not suggesting that should be the aim because <laughs> I think there's there's probably ten other teams that are suggesting that that should be their their priority this year. Um, I think another good year for for Minnesota would would be to to get back into the playoffs. Um, I think it's unfair to to expect an MLS Cup appearance 
Um, I know it's the, the natural progression there going from the Western Conference Finals to MLS Cup. I understand that's the natural progression, but um, I think it's unfair to expect that. I, I, I think we, we should, first of all, wait and see what the roster looks like on day one mm-hmm. for everybody, <laughs> but particularly for, for, for Minnesota. Let's just wait and see what the roster looks like on day one. And then maybe we can say, okay, these are the expectations. But, but regardless, in my opinion, right now with the roster the way it is, Playoffs have to be the expectation. Coaching staff know that. Front office knows that. Um, if they don't make the playoffs, um, that there'll be some serious issues for sure. But I, I don't see that being an issue this year, Steve. I really don't. I, I think they're going to be one of the better teams in the Western Conference. Um, I'm just excited, Steve. I'm so excited for the season to get started. It, it just feels like an eternity. It was, it was a really, really long off-season. Yeah. Um, Longer than we, we've ever had, you know. I'm, I'm, my thumbs are bleeding up and twiddling them so much now, you know. It's just, <laughs> I'm, I'm ready, Steve. I think everyone's ready for some for some soccer now. And um, it, it's just, uh, it's great that we've got the season. It's great that we're going to have fans back at Allianz Field. Um, and I, I just can't wait, Steve. I'm, I'm like a kid on Christmas Day. I just can't wait for it to get going again. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we'll have a lot to talk about coming up with, uh, you know, the roster and sort of previewing the season so everybody can stay tuned for that. In the meantime, thanks for joining us for the 136th Sound of the Loons podcast presented by Alina Health Orthopedics. Be sure to leave us a nice review on iTunes or at the very least a five-star rating and follow the team on Twitter at MNUFC. You can follow Cal at CalWilliams.com and me at Steve Venturis. Apologies, as always, to Richard Wagner. And remember... There's only one person in this whole world like you. People can like you exactly as you are.